Hello and welcome to the All About Valley podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Kale Financial and Strathclyde House Buyers. Kale Financial are proud supporters of local communities and specialise in helping you protect what matters most for your family, your lifestyle and even your income. They have it covered. Kale Financial are now offering free wills regardless of whether or not you need any other service. Go check them out on the website www.kale-financial.co.uk or check them out on Facebook, Twitter or even Instagram. Strathclyde House Buyers are a local property solutions company who specialise in helping people sell their property quickly with no fees. If you or anyone you know are looking for a fast, stress-free sale, check them out on their website www.strathclydehousebuyers.com on Facebook or on Instagram. Ladies, gents, so they to welcome you to the main event. The character comes out smelling the roses. They never made a sense. I can't afford to pay the rent. Listen, I really appreciate you doing this. Man. It's really cool. Um, mm. Big fan, and the fact that we're going to fight each other on Saturday is. Are you are you live in Scotland, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 Glasgow, so I'm coming through. I'll be, yeah, I'm traveling tomorrow on the ferry, and then I'll, I'll so I'll be there Thursday night, and then oh, okay. that's good. Cool. But uh, so you go, and then you have to drive up to Galway, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're getting the ferry, um, from Glasgow. And then we'll, we'll drive. Up, we'll need to drive up the whole way. So, yeah. And, and where are you taking the ferry to Dublin or, or by Belfast? I think it's. I think it's Dublin. I think we're going Dublin. And, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's. But actually, I've, I've been there a couple of times recently, so it's it's exciting the fact that I'm actually going there to have a boxing match. You know, it'll be it'll be, it'll be a fun experience. Uh, and I'm glad you were able to. Well, that you chose to fight me. I mean, that's crazy, but. Yeah, it should be good. It should be good fun to be on. Here, are you doing this already? Is this recording? Yeah, or? so we just started recording there. So I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll introduce you. Um, so I'm here today with Artem Wolbov, the version Hammer. Perfect. And, uh, yeah, perfect. Because even all this that we're talking about, we can just, this could be part of the podcast, you know? Yeah, yeah. But well, that's the thing is, I, I like to just go into it and start talking because that's, yeah, that's what people like to hear. They like to hear the conversation, not just a bog exactly. interview, you know? And, I'm all for it, so let's do it. Let's do it. Well, there's definitely a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, you know, you, you're 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 obviously taking part in the big event on Saturday, and something I wanted to touch on at the start was how did you get how did you get involved with Steve? How do you know Steve Timothy, and how did you get involved in this event? Um, to be honest with you, I think I just seen it on, on Twitter first. You know, I uh, seen him announce he was fighting Paddy, you know. Um, so I was like, okay, what's going on here? Kind of had a little look at it. I guess retweeted it or whatever. And then uh, we started talking a little bit about him, I guess, on Twitter. So I followed him back. So, you know, he sent me a few texts, you know, just asking, could he maybe come up and train with me? I said, yeah, of course. And I would, would love to, you know, give you a handout. And I'm not, not really a great coach, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, but I can definitely give you a few pointers. And, you know, it will probably be good for, uh, a bit of publicity and, you know, spreading the word about this uh, event, you know, because exa- this is exactly what we need, you know. So uh, that's exactly how it went down. And then when he came up to me uh, for training, we just got chatting a little bit more and, you know, we got each other a little bit more, I guess, with the training session. And I said to him, look, we need more help with, you know, spreading the word about this. You know, I'm sure Paddy Holohan, you know, he's... He's the kind of guy that will always, you know, help people out. He, I, I know for a fact that he wants to get involved, you know. He would uh, want to help you and would want to get involved, you know. He wouldn't just uh, walk past this, uh, you know. He's not that kind of guy. So I, I was like, sure, straight away, everybody would say yes. So I said all this to him, but I said, look, do you, do you want uh, to train with party first? And and uh, he said, yeah, yeah, I would love to, of course, do a session with him. And then as we were talking about that between me and him, he mentions to me, oh, do you want, do you want to fight Paddy on the night? So everything just started kind of escalating. I went from just seeing it on Twitter to suddenly now, you know, kind of yeah, yeah. training him and then setting up another training session. And now I'm fighting myself at the event already. And I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, why not? You know, it's a great event. You know, I could see the passion in Steve, you know, that he's very passionate about it. He's, it's a great cause, you know, it's a, you know, something that I uh, needed to, you know, the word about something needs to be spread, you know, people need to know more. And obviously the main thing, of course, raising the money needed uh, for, for all the things uh, that I required for the charity, you know, to, to be able to help people more. 
So yeah, uh, just like that, I was suddenly, you know, in a fight, and I, I agreed to be honest before, kind of double checking with Paddy all the dates and everything. I just sort of agreed on behalf of Paddy because I knew he would say yes, you know. Uh, and then it turned out that actually the same day he is away with the Irish IMF team, you know, and the championships, uh, the European Championships uh, MMA. So uh, obviously he was already committed to that, and there was no way he could miss that. You'd yeah. be letting people down. So uh, we changed it up, and now uh, you get to be the lucky one, uh, Kieran. <laughs> oh, well, it's, 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 it's very odd interviewing someone when you know you're about to be fighting them in a couple of days, you know, especially when there's someone like you who's, who's a very experienced fighter. And, and it's, it's, you know, for me, being able to do this, being a fan of you, is, 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 is quite a surreal opportunity. And, and you've obviously been fighting for a long time. You've had a lot of fights and a lot of different, a lot of different versions of fighting. You know, bare knuckle boxing was your most recent one, and a really impressive one. And uh, it made me think, like, you've been fighting with so many different versions of it. What, what, what is actually your favorite version of fighting? Boxing, MMA, bare knuckle boxing. You know, I'll be honest with you. I think um, for just overall, I think I love uh, MMA. And the reason being to me, because it is more complete, you know, it's, it's, you know, like when people now like to talk about a boxer versus, you know, a karate guy, or now it's, you know, like MMA guys crossing into the boxing or some of the boxers, you know, moving into the MMA, you know, all this is cool to see. But the, the one important thing for me when I see all this is that whenever it's an MMA guy fighting, you know, for, for 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 basically let's say a boxer to get an advantage you have to say okay you can't use your legs and you can't grapple and you can't wrestle then if you face a judo guy let's say he says oh you can't go down for the takedowns on the legs or you can't punch because this guy it's, you know it's always something some issue with everybody except when is the mma guy when is the mma guy he is the only one that doesn't care all these other guys have to tell the MMA guy what he's not allowed to do in order to, to participate in their sport. But an MMA guy doesn't have to limit no one. Come at me. You want to come at me with just judo? Well, let's go. You ready to include more? You want to do judo and boxing? Let's do it. You want to do judo, boxing, and karate? Let's do it. You want to do everything all together as MMA? Let's do it, you know? So that, to me... That is something that makes me obviously love MMA more than anything. Having said that, now for entertainment value, just watching it as a fan, you know, like when you come into a show and you want to see some great fights, I think nothing compares to Bare Knuckle. I honestly uh, don't think anything kind of quite compares to it. It's just, and it's the way it is designed, it's designed for entertainment, you know. It is uh, just too many rounds, only five of them. You know, no gloves is just pure excitement. Like you see, for example, when you watch smaller boxers compete, like when you go like really lightweight, 60 kilos or whatever, you know, around that mark and below. When it's boxers, people don't like to watch those weights. Why? Because with the gloves, they can't really do too much damage to each other. So yes, the technique is, is beautiful. The speed is crazy, but there's no damage. And people, the reality of it, they want to see blood, you know, they want to see... Yeah, battle. They want to see blood everywhere, cuts, all of that. Now, when you take away the gloves and you put the same weight guys into a bare knuckle fight, everything changes completely. Because number one, because they've got such great engines and the volume of shots, you're just seeing both guys get cut up in seconds. They literally left in ribbons, blood everywhere. You know, it makes it actually the smaller guys are the most exciting ones to watch in bare knuckle. It's a really interesting. So uh, point. for that reason, I love Bernacle. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's a really interesting point um, because there's been a lot of debate about. You know, I've heard people about platforms like Joe Rogan and stuff say that we should maybe look at having a having Bernacle and UFC and have no gloves. You know, a lot of people have said that the, what's the point in having gloves in the UFC if you're going to be fighting like that anyway? What What's your stance on that? Do you think they should keep it, or do you think they should just get rid of them? Uh, it's it's a tough question to be honest, because there's there's a number of points to consider, you know, and it's it's a very very tricky one, you know, because hard to hard to kind of I don't even know which one is is the right thing to do if I'm 100 mm -hmm. percent honest. But some of the things that I'm looking at, 
For example, one of the issues that there has been in the UFC is the eye pokes. And there's only one thing that can solve that, and this is the gloves. If you produce specifically designed gloves, like for example in Bellator, the gloves are designed slightly different, and suddenly you cannot really have your, when you relax your hand, your fingers aren't straight no more. They're a little bit bent like this, and there's significantly less amount of eye pokes in Bellator. So for that reason, for example, I kind of want to see the gloves, but I want to see those better designed gloves in the UFC also, so that there are no eye pokes. Now, for there's another reason, let's say, to consider, let's say, damage, right? With the glove on, especially an MMA glove on, you can 100% do more damage to the head than you can with bare knuckle. Because bare knuckle, yes, you will get cut up more. There's going to be a lot more cuts, but in terms of actual damage to the head you know it's it's less especially when your hands get sweaty and covered in blood mm -hmm. like my first fight with jason knight some of the shots my hand would just open up on impact i wasn't even able to keep the fist because it's just so sleepy and you're so tired um but then again it's mma you know i mean there's yeah punches with the gloves but then there's elbows there's knees to the head there's shins to the head so i'm not sure that's that's a valid uh, argument you know it's a very complex so discussion. You know, it's a lot to it. There's a lot of different areas to consider. There's a lot to it. Like I said, I don't really know the exact answer, which is the best way, you know. But probably I'm kind of leaning towards the gloves that will allow you not poke people in the face, in the eyes. Because that has been a huge, huge problem in the UFC. And it's very dangerous, extremely dangerous. You know, there's people, you know, lose eyes. I mean, people have lost eyes. Bisping, for example, you know, he lost his eye. I'm not sure if it was over an eye poke or what the story is there. Yeah. But, you know, you can definitely lose an eye. And it's, uh, and it's a very easy to solve uh, solution. You know, you just need to, uh, slightly better design gloves and that's it. And that's gone. So I don't actually know why they haven't done it still. Well, exactly. Hopefully that's something you actually looked into for the future. Um, but speaking of areas in, in MMA that's controversial or been discussed, one of them is weight cuts, and you've actually competed in three different weight divisions, the same as the same as McGregor and people like that. And there's, you know, when people jump up weight divisions, there's a lot of, you know, there seems to be more of that now than there was before. How difficult is that actually to do, and what difference does that make to you as a fighter when you're jumping up different weights? I mean, obviously, number it depends on a number of reasons. Of course, if somebody's doing it professionally with uh, you know proper supervision, you know that makes it easier. Also, it varies from person to person. You know, I guess your your genes and everything. You know what what sort of person you are, and you know sometimes you know dropping weight can be can work well for some, but then the opposite can be well for others. You know, I've seen this you know many times. You know, for example, Jose Aldo now dropped a bantamweight and he seems to be picking up steam. You know, again, so it's worked out for him well. Uh, but for example, Anthony Johnson, before he was trying to fight at welterweight, and it was absolutely terrible for him. He was a boring fighter at welterweight, and he was struggling. He was, you know, always worried about making weight. He just couldn't relax. He couldn't let his hands go. He was just, he was still a good fighter, but just not working out for him. And, he, and as, as a result, he got cut from the UFC. And then just said, like, forget this weight cutting, moved up to heavyweight and actually started knocking guys out. And now he's at light heavyweight, which I think is probably the perfect weight for him. Uh, and uh, he's looking incredible. You know, he, he's an absolute beast, like knocking guys left, right, and center. And the funny thing is, well, he's not small at light heavyweight. He's actually a big guy. So I don't really know how he was making welter. But, you know, that's just to show kind of that it works out well for some people and not so well for others, you know. So, uh, but it is definitely a difficult thing to do, you know, uh, whether you're moving up on the weight or whether you're moving down the weight to do it properly is very difficult because it's not really just about making weight. It's about performing at that weight. You know, you can, you can make the weight. That's, that's one thing. That's only a small part of the battle, but then you have to rehydrate, uh, properly and then perform, you know? So that's, that's, that's the big kind of issue. I mean, ideally you don't want weight cuts because, uh, it is already dangerous enough uh, for us, you know, the fighting. And uh, if you're actually cutting weight, that makes it even more dangerous. Like, for example, your brain, you know, is uh, has very little protection. It is covered in, like, somewhat, like, liquid, like, kind of like water. And uh, obviously, when you dehydrate it, you know, that, that protection is no longer there. 
or, or at least it is uh, less there. You know, it's, it's it's not as uh, it's not as protected as it would have been when you're fully hydrated. So uh, that is of course an issue, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, ideally you don't want the weight cuts. You just want people to kind of you know fight at their natural weight. Could you see them adding in more weight terms? Yeah, that's that's probably one of the ways to solve it. But then again, like for example, that's another thing as well I wanted to actually touch on here because when they talk about like moving weight classes in boxing, you know, somebody's a uh, you know champion across five weight classes. I mean, that's still of course very impressive. But if you're talking that in MMA terms, that's probably two weight classes. You know, uh, the weight class in MMA, the jumps are much much bigger, and then the biggest one is probably when you go from 155 to 170. So you most certainly need to add a weight class there. That needs to happen uh, as soon as possible, because it's just too big of a jump. You know, and somebody that should be competing at 165. You know, let's say like a big enough 165-er, he struggles, you know, because he's too small at 170 and he's way too big to make 155. So uh, we definitely need to add that weight class. You know, whether we need more weight classes, that's another conversation to be had. But we definitely 100% need 165. That's that's we're way, you know, past on that. It needs to happen. The sport is way too advanced. Uh, right now, you know, and too mainstream. It's it's mainstream mainstream sport now. I'm amazed. UFC is, you know, anyway, and um, we need to add that uh, weight class. There is no question about that. I mean, definitely, because you can see from other fighters like how how they talk about the the actual feeling feeling better at one seventy. You know, feeling feeling that they're not having to dehydrate themselves as much and put themselves through that. But they're also not maybe able to perform as much because they're not getting as much power as they would have at one sixty five. Or, I mean, look at McGregor; he was he was knocking people out one forty five all the time, and then you see him go up to one seventy, and it's like still got the same movement, still got the same skill, but it's it's not as easy to knock out Nate Diaz as, as you know. Well, yeah, well, there has to be said there that as well at one seventy, it was a tough challenge with Nate Diaz. You know, the guy has never been knocked out. Yeah. I mean, even his uh, his uh, one TKO loss. And uh, the ref jumped in and stopped it, but he wasn't even knocked out even then. So that is a task in itself, you know, yeah. and it's regardless of the weight class. Because I do think that there's many other guys at 170 that Connor, you know, would have the power to, to knock out, you know, because it's not even just about the pure power, you know. Uh, the thing about Connor's knockout was this, was the timing, you know, and the, the distance control. Uh, you know, he was able to catch guys kind of mid, mid their shots, you know, when they're sort of committed to their own shot, all the kinetic energy of their own shot comes with it, and then Connor just missed them uh, as they're coming in, and, oh, you know, that makes the, the shot so devastating and, and the knockout, you know, blow. So that's why when when you knock people out that way, it, it, it transfers well across the weight class. You know, if you're just like a power guy, you know, somebody that you know, just comes in and literally aggressively goes forward without actually trying to catch the guy um, mid-shot like Connor does in his counter-punches. Uh, if you're just power guy, you know, then yes, you need your, your, your raw power and when you, when that sort of fighter moves up a weight class, often, you know, it could be that he leaves the power behind, that the power that he has now, not that he leaves it behind, but it's just it's not enough to deal with the bigger guys. But when you're a guy that knocks, out, knocks guys out like Connor does, then that the cross weight class is a lot better. Well, yeah, I take it that really well. I mean, looking at the current landscape of MMA, let's talk about what's going on at the moment. There's a lot of big fights happening, a lot of big, uh, across all the weight divisions and, and a lot of big stars coming about. We've got the, we've got the, we've got the heavyweight fight with Igano that looks like it's going to be one of the biggest fights they've ever done. And then you look at you know after what happened with the the Poirier and Connor fight, what do you see? Who do you see as as one of the like the next big star in MMA? Uh, well, to be honest, now uh, the UFC have done a very good job. You know, at uh, the brand that you know is is just there is not really just one star. You know, obviously, kind of Connor stands out from um, all the guys. He was the guy that kind of helped you know UFC achieve that. Uh, status and in, in many ways but you know just taking him out of the equation when you look at the, the landscape now there are many you know many fairly 
very very solid you know fighters that people tune in to watch you know uh, um it's, it's gone mainstream like i said you know like masvidal obviously is a big one apparent he was there fighting you know now Derek bronson you know the guy that he fought he is going to be you know breakout at the sign you know Lugano. there's literally the list is, is very very big you know the list goes on um it's they've done a great job but now uh building this brand now and this is very good to see you know and it's it's needed that you know when they before there wasn't really that many there was just kind of corner and the rest was not not on that level you know and now they sort of diversified their um their assets i guess you know and across many fighters and they build this big brand now you know any, any card you look at whether it's the pay-per-view a free card it's always a great card you know they've managed to build not just the, the stars, but everybody, you know, uh, through many different ways, you know, including like the Ultimate Fighter Show and the Contender Series. They just have so many things going for them, you know. They, they've literally uh, overtaken uh, the MMA world, you know. There's, there's no question about it. They've done, honestly, it's, it's, it's an amazing uh, story and an amazing, um, you know, uh, company. And they produce unbelievable product, you know. It's just great, uh, great to watch. Definitely. I mean, they always said there's going to be a new big star from Liverpool. I don't know if you've seen Paddy's performance there on it, but what do, what do you make of his chances to succeed in the UFC? He had a that fight that fight seemed really competitive, but he came through it and finished really strongly. Yeah, uh, definitely competitive fight. You know, the guy was game, but you know, some people say about you know Paddy getting hit a few times. I mean, you get hit in the fight. You know what I mean? It's like complaining uh, that you got wet as a swimmer. You know, you're in a fucking fight. You know, you you you're you're competing against another human that, just like you, trains every single day to hit people, to land those shots. You know what I mean? He doesn't train to miss. He trains to land, and uh, so it's only normal, I guess, that you know he managed to land some shots. You know, but you know, being tough is is a massive part of this game. Uh, having a chain is a massive part, and that's what the party was able to show that night, you know, that he's tough and he's got a chain, you know, and that uh, he came through. And it turned out to be a great fight, great event, and a well-deserved, you know, uh, bonus for him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to watch his, how his career develops. He's definitely an interesting character, and uh, I'm sure he's going to he's gonna mess some things up in the UFC and uh, produce some good fights, no doubt about that. Definitely going to be interesting to see. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on what do you, how do you think the rematch for Usman and Kobe is going to play out? Yeah, it's 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 a good, uh, definitely interesting fight to see. You know, I would have liked to see uh, uh, something like Leon. You know, obviously get his shot. You know, the guy's been, uh, you know, going for it for so long. You know, it's an unbelievable uh, winning streak. So uh, we'd love to see him get it. But look, if it's Kobe, well then. Yes, it's a good fight to watch, you know, it's, uh, the first fight was very competitive, I know why he got finished, you know, he got stopped, but I still think it was a competitive fight, and uh, I have no doubt that this one is going to be competitive also, you know, also, that fight is so emotionally charged that, uh, you know, it can go, one wrong thing can go badly for, for, the, for the other guy, you know, you never know, because the arena is going to be so, so emotionally charged, and, you know, suddenly, let's say you, you get, hit and then you the crowd starts roaring and all the the service energy you know is in the air and that could be a downfall or it could you know really give somebody you know put sort of wind, uh, wind in their uh, sails you know it can make you or break you so when it's a fight like that it's very hard to just look at the skill set of both guys you know uh, both guys are you know very good wrestlers tough fighters but uh interesting fight you know i honestly i don't even want to give a prediction on this one you know, I, but I know this one is going to be good. You know, to me, when I seen this one announced for some reason, I was still like, you know, I want to see this one. It's going to be interesting, you know, to see, to really build a fight. It has to be a fight that the fans care about. And for example, I care about this fight. I care about watching this fight. Yeah, you know, yeah. when it's a fight that people care about, it's a great fight to make. You know, every time, because at the end of the day, it's all about the fans. You want people to tune in. You want people to watch. You know, so. Uh, well, I mean, there's definitely two that will take it all the way, and it's going to be a proper war. There's, there's a lot more to touch on. But I wanted to go back on what we were talking about COVID there because it's been particularly bad in Ireland for quite a long time. It seems like there's still heavy restrictions. How difficult has it been to keep trading and keep your routine going? Uh, well, I mean, training. To be honest, training has been the only kind of 
getaway for people, I guess, that those that, that do train. And, I, and those that don't train, I recommend they, they, they do it, especially in this sort of times. You know, if you can find, you know, a little time to, you know, train in your garden even or anything, you know, or go for a run or whatever you can do, you know, that, you know, that, that's a big thing, you know, just getting out there and get a bit of fresh air or, you know, uh, whatever you can do, basically, it's been big. So to me, training is not that it's been difficult to train, although obviously there were limitations, you know, you couldn't have training partners at certain points, you know, uh, but still, at least training for me was the kind of, the one uh, ray of sunshine sort of in those great days uh, in the lockdown. I mean, should but, yeah, we, we've had the longest one, I think, out of all the yeah. countries in the world, we've yeah. had the longest one. It's been rough. Yeah, I mean, it shows you how important training is outside of competition, just as a lifestyle, and how it can keep your mental health and physically good during a hard time like that. You know, so ah, one hundred percent. Even like a, even a walk, outside, even a run, anything. You know, I mean, just get your mind off, you know, staring at your four walls. Get out there and you know, get a bit of fresh air, and that's it. A bit of exercise can beat that. Exactly. So to go back to what we we're talking about before. Um, there's been a lot of talk about coaching in MMA and and what the do's and don'ts are of that and like sparring and things like that. Should you spar more? Should you spar less? Because it seems to be like an open debate. And I've been thinking about when people talk about coaches, you're obviously coached by John Kavanagh. And I wondered what your thoughts are. Where, where does he rank in the discussion of how good coaches are? How good actually is John? Well, you know, uh, for me, he is obviously the number one coach in the world. You know, uh, he made a fight out of me. You know, so to me, he's the number one. Uh, but, but I think this is another one that you know it's going to be different for different people. You know, because I guess for somebody to be the right coach for you, you know, you also have to obviously connect with the person. You know, on, on the personal level, also, it cannot be just about the. Uh, the coaching, you know, it cannot be just about the material that the, the coach, although that is, of course, the, one of the main uh, factors also. Yeah. It has to be a combination of those. And as well, you know, for me, how can I compare, let's say, my coach to another coach that I haven't trained with? You know, if, if, if he didn't coach me, how can you really, you know, compare? I always, mm-hmm. for me, it's the same whenever I hear people talk about language. Oh, I don't like that language. If you, when you don't speak, do you speak the language? No. So how the fuck can you tell whether you like or you don't like the language when you can't say a word of it? In order to like or not like a language, you have to understand it. You have to see all the flair of the language because there's different variations and different things that the language can produce, a certain language can produce. And for you to really know whether you like it or not, you have to know those things and you have to be able to speak the language. And I can give you 100% that when you actually fully learn a language and you learn everything and you are fluent in it, there's no way you're not going to like a language. You're going to love that language because you're going to see the differences of that language to others. You're going to see its limitations. You're going to see its advantages to come in comparison to other languages. So come back to your question. I am not able to tell you whether the other coach is good or bad if I haven't really trained with him. So for me, John is the best, and uh, he's done a lot for me, and he made me a fighter. So he's the number one MMA coach for me. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. I totally see what you're saying. Um, so what? So what is it that gave you that connection with John to begin with? Like when you say when you say that the connection with the coach is important, what connected you and John, and what made you think he's going to be the right coach for me through this? Yeah, so for me, it was, I mean, it's it's a little bit of luck, I guess. And, and that's why I always say, you know, because people always say, oh, there's no luck, there's no luck. And that's true, for the most part, there's no luck. But you need a tiny bit of luck in this life, you know. You need a tiny bit, and it has to happen for you. And I, I, I think that I did have that luck, because what are the chances that a little kid that was born in Soviet Union, you know, travel across, and Ireland is not a big country, and, you know, the world is very big and I could have been anywhere, but somehow I ended up in Ireland and somehow it happens that in this tiny nation, people are absolute animals when it comes to fighting and there is this world-class coach coaching MMA there and I'm going to end up there, you know. So that's, that's the I guess, the luck part, you know. It, the chances of that happening, I don't know. They're very, very slim, but somehow it happened and, and I ended up there. So that's the luck part. But in terms of why, uh, how and me, John kind of connected, you know, uh, well, 
I was I started pretty late, you know, and uh, I, I was 21 when I got into MMA. I was in college, you know, and I just saw a little ad on on the wall, you know, saying, "Would you like to try self defense?" And I went down to the gym and started training. This was not SBG yet. It was John's student that coached there. His name was Phil. He is Phil. He lives in Australia now. So I started for a little gym um, in another gym on Camden Street. Uh, the gym was called Raw. Now it's a much bigger gym. But at that time, Raw gym was absolutely tiny, very, very small. And this guy rented the tiny little room upstairs from them. So I started training with him, and I literally, after two weeks of training, I was like, man, I'm ready to fight. I want to fight. And I kept annoying him about a fight, and he was like, no, no, what fight? Are you crazy? You know, you're only training two weeks. But I was like, I wouldn't stop. I kept annoying him, annoying him. I was like, look, I just want to fight. I want to try it. I want to do it. He described, I remember, MMA league for me. Back in the day, we had an MMA league here where there's no punches allowed to the head. It's only like body strikes. It's more like a grappling competition. And he described that to me because he had done a few fights of that. And I was like, no, that's not what I want to do, man. And obviously thinking back, I should have fucking done that and got some experience. But with my, you know, Soviet Union head, I'm like, no, I want to fight. You know, I want to go in and, and, and proper fight people. So that's when he said to me, Phil said to me, said, Artem, if you are serious about this, you have to go and train uh, with John Kavanagh because he is the proper MMA coach and he can he can do that for you. So that's how then I ended up in John's gym. And uh, yeah, you know, I saw straight away John was a smart guy. I, I enjoyed the way he taught things. I, I liked uh, I liked to question him, and I liked that when I questioned him, he never uh, he never you know didn't have an answer for me or never would say, oh, don't ask that or never. He would literally just take me and demonstrate it on me. Like he would make me see that this in fact works. And I would be resisting. I would be fighting 100% back, you know, just to see that that does work. So I, I've challenged him like this on many, many occasions over many, many years. And, you know, he never failed me at that. So my trust in his ability grew with each question that he answered for me and my respect for him grew with each question that uh, he didn't ignore and had an answer for. So uh, that's how my relationship with John was built. That's brilliant. I mean, you can see the connection that you all have with John and how it's all very, a very technical group, you know, so it's, it's, it's really cool for me as a fan hearing stories like that. See, when you're talking about your, your first fight, wanting to fight with low experience and things like that, you know, that's kind of how I feel about fighting you, you on Saturday. So it's, uh, it's funny how things can come full circle like that. Well, let me tell you, yeah, it ain't going to go well for you, mate. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, the, yeah, so that's amazing. And we spoke about how you've, you've fought in all these different, different versions of fighting. But, how you know, wheelchair boxing, did you ever think that was something you were going to do? Absolutely, you know, boxing was always at the back of my mind because, to be honest, I'm kind of, I guess, a little bit disappointed that I retired and never had a pro boxing fight uh, because it's always kind of been something that I, I found the most love for. And now, don't get me wrong, I, I spent a lot of hours doing jiu-jitsu and I love it as well and I really respect it and I have, on many occasions, experienced the effectiveness of it. Uh, but boxing has always kind of been my, my main one that I really, yeah, I'm a little bit sad that I didn't get to do it, you know, but. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've, you've definitely fought in a lot of different, you know, areas, and I would say you should be very proud of how you've, what what I love about you is you've never said no to a fight, you've always jumped in and you've always went for it, you've always entertained, and a lot of fighters don't have that same sort of bravery, I guess, of just going for it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, you know, to me, I guess, maybe because I started quite late, you know, I, I was already like, a, my, my formed, I had a formed adult brain, I guess, you know, when I heard people say, like, look, I want to fight the best guys, I want to find the toughest challenges, you know, I heard that, and I said, that that sounds right, that sounds honorable, that, that sounds like the thing that you should be doing, so I just did that, I did exactly that, you know, and you know, sometimes as well, I guess I saw it, you know, as a, I always saw it as more of just like a sport or something, you know, it was like a challenge, you know, the way I describe it sometimes was 
I would be like, I, I have my castle, right? And I'm like a knight in a castle. And then the enemy is at the door. And whenever I get a phone call out to the fight, you know, that's an enemy at my door. And they say, like, are you ready to come out and fight? I'm like, how am I going to tell them, no, I'm not ready or I'm sick or uh, I can't make weight or something else? No, you have to come out and you have to defend your castle. You have to go out and fight. So that's how I always saw it. So that's, I guess, the reason for always accepting fights for uh, never pulling out of a fight, you know, uh, no matter what the circumstances were, you know, whether I was injured or whether I, you know, I was uh, sick or sometimes didn't even, you know, wasn't training because let's say, I was sick or injured before and hadn't really picked up the, the form yet, you know, I'd still say, yes, you want me to fight? Well, then I want to, I want to fight you. And you know, I you know, I enjoyed it. I I, I truly enjoyed uh, doing it. You know, I loved every second of my career, you know? and uh, I retire satisfied. You know, there's some things that I didn't get to achieve, but I also uh, achieved many things that I didn't think I would in my life. So, yeah, I yeah, retire you, a happy man. Yeah, you definitely have. And see, having been through all that, what kind of advice would you give a younger fighter coming through? Um. I mean, just go for it. And, and to be honest, now when I look at the landscape of the MMA world, it is it is better suited to help you succeed, to help you not make those mistakes. And like even for example, the presence of an of a amateur scene. Like when I was starting out, there was no amateur scene, and there was some amateur fights, which I had a couple, uh, but there was no head strikes on the ground. So I remember like. I would drop the guy on the feet and I can't finish him. So I was straight away telling my coach, look, I don't want to do this. I want a pro fight straight away. So in my first 12 weeks of fighting, like from the moment I started fighting in the 12 weeks, I had three amateur fights and then finished with a pro fight. So I had four fights, three amateur and one pro. Uh, because I just didn't want to do those rules. Nowadays, there's plenty of amateur competitions. There is international amateur com competitions like the IMF. You know, there's the European Championships. There is the World Championships. You get to have a number of fights on the same day. You get to have all those fights. You get to experience fighting in front of a crowd in a much safer environment than it is for a pro fighter and in an environment that does not affect your potential earnings, your potential future earnings, an environment that does not affect your professional record. Uh, it's incredible, you know, this is uh, very, very good. So so just that alone, and, and that is, again, that's all in big part thanks to UFC, you know, for building, for making the sport bigger, and now as well other promotions, you know, they do their bit as well. It was the UFC that kind of started all this, and they always said the leaders, and they the one that, move everything forward, but everybody else, you know, Bellator, ACA, you know, all the other promotions, you know, they, they also, you know, uh, uh, make a big, uh, big impact now. And as a result, now we have this, uh, amazing, uh, facilities, uh, for amateur guys to develop and grow into a brilliant uh, professionals. So, um, I, I think, you know, everything is good now. They, for, from my perspective, as my advice is, you know, go for it. Fear nothing, you know, uh, have fun doing it, you know, enjoy it, you know, just go and put the time in. Don't be lazy. Work hard, you know, don't miss trainings. Go and train. You know, if you have an opportunity, go to other gyms, experience other gyms, you know, spar other guys, you know, do it, but do it safely, you know, don't forget, you know, always like things like blood tests, extremely important, you know, brain scans extremely important if you want to be serious about this you have to get it those are just the, the reality of this situation you, know, you have to get all this um get as much experience as you can especially at amateur you know you have an opportunity now to have very high level fights at amateur fight everybody especially at amateur don't avoid no one go for it you know what i mean experience everything but again do it safe you know if you fight a tough spar got a few shots relax don't take a fight don't spar again, you know, uh, make sure you're taking appropriate breaks. Uh, you know, you, you lost the fight or whatever. Okay, maybe don't jump into another one straight away. Take some time, work on the mistakes, talk to your coach, fix them, train some more, take a little time off, go back in there, you know, uh, 
those would be my kind of uh, things of advice, you know. Uh, but the main thing, you will get all this if you just find yourself the right gym. And nowadays, with social media, with everything out there, it's pretty easy to find a good gym. And if a gym is not good or whatever, something bad happens, stuff about them usually pops up online very quickly, and you get to see that the gym is not good. There's also guys like the McDojo. Um, it's an Instagram uh, page. They expose a lot of you know fake martial arts, and also they're doing their bit as well. I just want to give them a little shout, shout out there. Um, but yeah, nowadays you go online, you search, you find a good school where you know they have a proven record. You go there, you talk to the coach, and that's it. When once you're with a good coach, you're with a good team, they'll introduce you to the right nutritionist. They'll introduce you to the right strength and conditioning coach. They'll introduce you to the right physio that all those have their proven track record of doing things right and helping people become successful, not only in competition, but in their fitness journey. So uh, that's it. You know, nowadays, honestly, I, when I look at the landscape, there's obviously room for improvement, but I'm happy what I'm seeing and I'm happy where it's going. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a better, you know, pathway to the bigger stage and in a safer way. And you've put that really well. So, you know, this was a really good conversation. We covered a lot of good stuff and I really enjoyed it. But there's now another challenge for you coming up, which is a wheelchair boxing match this Saturday against yours truly. And um, that'll be... <laughs> <laughs> so um, that'll be a first for me. It's, uh, it's weird to have interviewed someone so professionally to know that he's probably going to knock me out in a couple of days. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, you've done a lot of fights, but you've never fought in a boxing match in a wheelchair. How much do you think that's going to change, you know, be a different dynamic for you to train in and learn how to actually navigate the chair while trying to punch somebody in the face? It's it's very different, to be honest, because I, I had a go at it with, uh, when Steve was, uh, was up here in Dublin, you know, uh, training with me. So obviously I tried it and I realized that it's, 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 it's hard because you, you, you generate your power through your legs, you know, through your glutes, to engage in that. So it was, very difficult for me to generate good power. But Steve, somehow, he was able to generate crazy power. I was actually very surprised at the power that he was able to generate, you know, because when he walked in and I saw, okay, he's like skinny guy, you know, and uh, I was like, okay, you know, expecting, you know, decent yeah. shot probably, but, but, you know, not expecting that much power. Next thing you know, he goes, wallop. And I'm like, whoa, what the hell is going on here? I had to, like, really tighten up my guard and everything. He was able to produce serious amount of power. But for me, that was the biggest challenge that I saw. It was very, very hard to to produce that, you know, to, to have power. Yeah. And another thing as well is if your reach is limited, like it is mine, it's very hard to reach the other guy, you know. And obviously, you're not allowed to stand up, you're not allowed to lean over too much, you know. So that is another issue, you know. It's, uh, it's very, very different to anything I've ever done. What, what did you think when Steve-O suggested fighting me? Did you know what about me? What did you think about the idea of taking me on? Uh, well, you know, me, that's something that I used to never do back in the day. Whenever, you know, they would just send me the name, I would just say yes. <laughs> that was always me. And I would never, you know, bother with uh, uh, who it is, what it is. You want to fight? It's a yes from me. <laughs> so it was no different this time, my man. He mentioned to me, Kieran... Before he could even send, tell me your second name, it was a yes from me. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, you know, and, and yeah, and you know, another thing as well, I was kind of thinking of which way I'm going to approach it, but I think because it's only one minute rounds and it's only three rounds, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going for it, and you know, I'm going to give it everything I've got, and then see what happens. Well. Oh, that's I don't I don't want you to take it easy on me. I want you to give me I want you to give me everything you can. So that's definitely the way I want you to do it. And I'll I'm ready. To, that's I'm good. ready to get everything. So. I'm happy to hear that honestly. Now I was gonna do it anyway. Uh, <laughs> but I'm happy to hear that that, that you, you, know, you don't mind and you agree oh. with that because I, I think it's only fair. You know we have to give people you know a fight you know a real fight. You yeah, know? That, I wouldn't I wouldn't have I wouldn't have done this if I didn't think I was going to be able to go in there and. And at least, you know, be able to, you know, uh, go for it, I guess. Like you said earlier, you know, you, your best at fighters would just go for it. And I'm going to definitely, this is a big opportunity for me, the way I see it. And you're obviously a lot more experienced than me, but I'm just going to, I've, you know, like I said before, actually something you said earlier was talking about not knowing about the impact of what people experience in wheelchairs. 
And I'm 24, so I've been a reader my whole life through cerebral palsy. And one of the things that's really interesting about it is the whole reason why I started the podcast, you know, it's called All About Ability, but it's more than just a podcast. The point of it was to try and change the perception of the way that disabled people are seen and people in wheelchairs are seen and show that you can do, we can do a lot of things. We can do a lot more things than people realise and try to say to people, you know, we should have better representation. We should be able to do more things. And I think for me, it's kind of became, I did a challenge in April that I was doing 1,000k in, the, uh, in a month. So that was 40k every day. So oh, I was doing it funny. on the ski air machine. I don't know if you've, the ski air machine and the road. Oh, trust me, trust me, I've had my battles with them. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I did, I was doing 40k every day for 30 days um, to, to raise money for mental health charities and through the Celtic Foundation. And uh, it was something that made me realise, you know, I don't want to just talk about the fact that it's all about ability. I want to be able to show it. So when Steve-O said to me, you know, he could fight Artem Lobov, I think a lot of people are going to look at this and think, what is, <laughs> what is this guy doing? You know, but I, I don't really, I look at it as like, I've been through a lot of challenges, I've been through a lot of, you know, adversity, so to speak, and I've came through it. So when I when I, when I I fight you on Saturday, I don't, I'm not going in there, in there with any fear. I'm just going in there to put on a show for the people that are there and hopefully it raises enough money to make a difference. That's brilliant. No, honestly, that's brilliant to hear. And that's what I mean. You know, this is this is all about, you know, never giving up, overcoming, you know, all odds, you know, and overcoming all kinds of adversity, just pushing through no matter what. So when, when those values are at stake, how can you and me half-ires this fucking fight? How can we half-ires this? We have to go for this. I am going to be boxing the ears of you like there's no tomorrow, <laughs> Kira. So get ready. My wheels will be burning and your ears will be burning too, my friend. Well, that's that's exciting to me because I'm excited to show you that I, I'm I'm not I'm not scared of that and I really I'm really looking forward to going in and taking all taking all the shots and showing people that, you know, people in the wheelchairs are, can be made of some steel and, and have no have no fake experience and go in and fight a legend like you and take take it all and just go for it. Like I says, you, 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 yeah. I'm coming from Scotland and and there's been a lot of time put into this and I want to go there and steal the show. So that's what the plan is and the fact that we're actually doing this is 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 exciting but also insane in a lot of ways and it just, it just kind of, you know, so it's, it's, it makes you think about how, you know, I've been thinking the last few days, how did I end up in this situation? But the fact that I have is, is I'm very grateful for it and I'm very excited about it and thank you for doing it. That's brilliant. No, and honestly, and even like, obviously, just to kind of all the great things that this uh, uh, charity event, you know, in terms of raising the money for charity and all, all of that, that's, yes, that's great thing. But even just for us, I think personally, I mean, looking back on this, you know, this is about making a great memory, you know what I mean? Something that is going to be great and crazy to look back on, you know, it's going to be a great story to tell friends, to tell your kids, your grandkids, you know what I mean? A very unique story. Uh, an amazing story, you know what I mean? A, yeah. a very happy story, you know, uh, a feel-good story, you know, that you, that me and you will be able to tell, you know, somebody down the line, you know. So, honestly, I'm really, really looking forward to this event. I'm really looking forward to, you know, uh, living through this. Well, this is basically Rocky. This is the, we, we had the fight on the Wikipedia. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, yes. my Wikipedia has seen... My Wikipedia has seen everything. I swear, that I'm not sure if there's, I mean, I'm sure there's like some, uh, you know, crazy famous people that get their Wikipedia changed all the time. But my one has done all kinds of things done to it. But this is one thing that I would like to proudly add to my Wikipedia. This is the fight that I definitely want on my record. Brilliant. I mean, what I was, what was about to say there was, this is the modern day version of Rocky, really. Um, and, you know, for, for me, it's like, I, I'm looking at it and going, this is, you know, you're talking about how you're, you're going to go all out and um, that, that excites me because it will bring out the best in me and hopefully, hopefully I can go and enjoy it and this will be the first of many for me and that's the way I, that's the way I've been looking at it. So, um, I'll, I will see you Saturday in the ring and I'm really, yes, really looking forward to it, man. But we'll, we'll end the podcast there, and uh, listen, it's, I'm a really big fan of yours, and this was really cool for me to do this, and I really appreciate you making the time.
Honestly, it's been a pleasure of mine, Kieran. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Thank you so much for accepting the fight against me. I mean, this is such a great thing that the uh, you know uh, that the event is going to produce, I and mean, this is uh, going to raise so much money, as, as Steve was saying, you know, which is obviously the main thing. The money will directly help people that need help. Uh, but the main thing is going to spread the word about the wheelchair association and all the beautiful work that they do. Because sometimes, you know, when you when you're a person and something like this doesn't really touch you, like. For example, like, even I will take myself as an example, you know, uh, I, you're just not aware, you know, of, uh, of the issues that somebody in the wheelchair might be having. And for me, for example, when I live in Ireland, for some reason I feel like, okay, Ireland is a very developed country that, you know, those things will be taken care of. And in my mind, I didn't even know that there was issues. I didn't even know that there was much help needed to people that are struggling, uh, you know, the, the wheelchair users and all the issues that they're having. I honestly did not know about all those issues. So now that Steve reached out and he explained all this to me, I'm happy to spread the message further to hopefully, you know, let people know that uh, this charity exists, that the help is needed, and they're doing beautiful things. And if anybody out there that is able to help them out, whether by spreading the word or making a small donation, this is very much appreciated. Thank you so much to everyone. Tune in on uh, Saturday uh, night and watch me and Kieran go at it. Look forward to it. And everyone at the Savage Beauty Association, the link to the donation will be in the bio. Get get as much donations as you can and bring on Saturday.